Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Story Smack. This is Story Smack a podcast about stories and storytellers in the world of pop culture. My name is A. Kovacs, audiobook narrator and founding partner at Empty Set Entertainment. And I am Scott Sigler, best-selling author, and I want to remind you, don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. Don't drive so, angry. look, here's the thing. I'm just going to tell it. I, I totally did that intro fine. This is episode 45 of Story Smack, mm-hmm. but y'all have not heard episode 44 of Story Smack because today is February 1st. It is currently 10.34 p.m. It's because Scott Sigler has become disconnected from time. Of course. Yes. Indeed. Obviously. And we have decided to have a at the wild very Friday la- night. A wild, wild, wild Friday, Friday night. night. <laughs> and at the very last minute, we decided that you guys deserved. A Groundhog's Day story smack. On Groundhog's Day. With an added dose of a bunch of movies that have ripped off Groundhog's Day. So we've got all of that going for you, which is pretty nice. Which is nice. Yes. This is story smack. A pot- oh, sorry. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm going to do that. I was totally going to do that at some point in the podcast, but you totally un- uh, you undercut me. You sorry, undercut sorry. Me. Very good, very good. Yeah, so we've watched uh, Groundhog's Day, and you guys are listening to this, hopefully actually on Groundhog's Day. So here's the thing. We are going to release this tomorrow. It's going to be probably a little... A little messy. A little messy mm-hmm. because we decided that we were going to order in food to the uh, Lair of Doom mm-hmm. and have ha- have a have a happy hour glass of wine and watch the movie. That, is, that mission has been accomplished. Now we're going to talk about this absolute classic, this classic in the world of entertainment that has not only endured for a long time, like liver flukes, it has spawned clones of itself all throughout the digestive system of the entertainment industry. Well, okay. Yes. Uh, before we go into liver flukes, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> uh, I will say this. Everything we say from this minute forward is a spoiler. Oh, yes. Everything. Is the movie 30 years old now? Uh, it came out in the early 90s, 93, I think. 93, 2003, yeah. 13. 35 years old. 35? Or, I'm a little 92, confused. No, no, no. no uh, 25. No. The, we can't even do math. It's yeah. late. And it's we've late. had wine. It's late. It's over 20 years old. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> you should have watched it by now. Because also Bill Murray will be dead soon. He has a rough. Are... He had a rough day this day. A rough, rough. Yes, he rough, did. Rough yes, day he did. So day. what we're gonna do? We're gonna go through the movie right now. Then we're gonna talk about something that bothers me immensely. Something that gets under my skin, a burr in my saddle, if you will, a sore in my blanket, a blind spot in my rearview mirror. We're gonna talk about all the movies that have shamelessly ripped off Groundhog's Day. Oh my day. god, I'm so excited! I love so many of those. And movies. then one movie that we stumbled upon—a short, eleven minutes long. Oh. That is actually which doesn't about, rip off Valent, uh, which no, doesn't rip off Groundhog's Day, but, but it's a guy totally, watching Groundhog's Day, and totally, it's it just killed. It was me. a giant punch in the balls. It was what great. This was. It, it was, was great and and hard. But first, let's go through the movie. I'm gonna do the movie announcer voice. Normally, this is my job. Weatherman Phil Connors reassures Pittsburgh viewers that an approaching blizzard will miss Western Pennsylvania. 
He goes with news producer Rita Hansen and cameraman Larry, no last name, <laughs> to Puxatawney, Pennsylvania to cover Groundhog Day festivities. Phil makes no secret of his contempt for the assignment, the small town, and the hicks who live there. The next day, Phil awakens at his Puxatawney bed and breakfast to Sonny and Cher's I Got You, Babe, on the clock radio. He tapes a half-hearted report on Puxatawney Phil and the town's festivities. Rita wants to stay and cover other events, but Phil wants to return to Pittsburgh. The blizzard blankets the region in snow, stranding them in Puxatawney. Phil shuns the celebrations and retires to bed early. Phil wakes to I Got You, Babe by Sonny and Cher, and the same announcement from the radio, and discovers the day's events repeating exactly. I'm not going to continue from there. Yeah. Because the movie announcer voice kind of doesn't do justice to what happens next. This happens again and again and again and again. So we're going to first talk about Groundhog Day. In a day. world where a man wakes up over and over again, oh, repeating Lord. the same day. Is it Groundhog's Day or Groundhog Day? It is Groundhog Day. Pos- Groundhog- so it's not Possessive S. No, like because that it motherfucker it, owns the day. He doesn't own the day. Okay. We, it's like judgment day for the groundhog. Oh, Although I like he this. he is doing the judgment. Wait, so this is, ju- okay. So he's right? like a so little, he's, he's like, he's a, like little a little furry Arnold Schwarzenegger. You, okay. Uh, sure. What are your thoughts on the groundhog day? Well, today? I've seen it uh, clearly double digits. It's probably in the 20s, somewhere in that, the, that number of times that I've seen this. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, I don't know if people still do this, if nerds still do this, but back in the day at a VCR, you would rent movies and watch them a few times, you know, from the blockbuster days. I don't know if people do anymore because now there's so much more to watch. There's all kinds of shit to watch. I don't know if, if it's that. I think it's that the rental is 24 hours, but it used to be the rental was five days or okay. three days, depending on if it was a new release or not. So you got to get your money's worth. Right. Because you know so- if you watch it three times, you're putting it to the man. Like, exactly. oh, my $3 rental? Guess what, bitch? Only cost me a buck each time. What's and up? if you watch it three times and you're not kind and you don't rewind. I never rewound. I yeah. never, no. I no. knew I knew that Stick was Stick it to the man. I used to work at Blockbuster Video for years and years. I was an entertainment you could, specialist. You could see my kind coming through the door. Oh, yes. Exactly when you walked in, I was like, this guy has not rewound a single one of his tapes. This guy tapes. is not kind. But let's move on with the movie. People are familiar with the concept of this movie. Very familiar with the conceit. So we're just going to cut to some of the high points of mm-hmm. the movie. What made it entertaining to us again. Having, I, I haven't watched this in, I'm going to guess, 15 years, somewhere in that ballpark. But uh, 20 minutes in, he begins looping through the same day. So we're familiar. He's self-centered, conceited, doesn't really care about the people around him, egotistic, goes and does his broadcast, goes back. He's ignoring all the little people around him, doesn't care about their little lives. And the and little, little people troubles. are totally like normal people. Yes. Like there's Ned, the insurance guy, who's like, oh my God, Phil, we went to high school, whatever, oh my God. And they're right? all they're all full characters with full lives, but you don't see that in the beginning he's because he's just- Because he doesn't see He doesn't see it, correct. Right. We're through his view. And then about 25 minutes, we're already in the day three, 25 minutes in, and he breaks the pencil. He's very clever. He wants to make sure he's not flipping out. He hasn't dropped a couple of tabs by accident. Lady put acid in the coffee. We don't know. Breaks the pencil. Wakes up. Pencil's back together again. Mm-hmm. We now know that we are in some Rod Serling shit going on right but here. But one of the things I love about this is is literally, like, you at, right now at 25 minutes, we're talking about day three, I think, Correct. right? On day two, this is not, we're all rubes, this is a happy, we're just going to uh, suspend our disbelief and everything. It's a lot to believe. But Phil is incredibly skeptical the second he wakes up. 
It's good. It's well done in the movie. He's skeptical, but he's also in it. He can't deny that this is happening, which is exactly what you and I would do. He's It'd denying be like, it's happening. Wait a, wait a minute. He's hold on. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't wake up and be like, you know what? You, the the cheap writing would be. He wakes up and like, oh, I just had a dream. Gosh darn, that was a detailed dream. But he mm-hmm. know right off the bat, Bill Murray totally sells it. You're like, he knows he's going through the same day, even though he doesn't know how to process it, and he does that very well in this part. Which is a, a tiny aside because everybody already knows this about Bill Murray, but. That uh, comedic actors often get the 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 short shrift here. Yes, comedic actors are are. It's easy to be funny. It's hard to be no makeup and cry, right? Mm-hmm. For Oscars and awards and whatever. And this is no different, right? This is a classic movie. He does an ex- like an exquisite, astounding job of doing exactly what we would do mm-hmm. as people. And there's kind of no love from the the Academy or SAG or whatever because. Right. Comedy is easy, and it isn't easy. This is brilliant and subtle, and he has to do this for two hours in the movie, right? Like he's been—he probably shot this for nine weeks or whatever, and he literally every day has to be cynical and a little skeptical and also full of wonder. And he totally—he carries it now. Okay, I was gonna be like, I was gonna be like, let's take a look at what the best movie nominees in nineteen ninety-three were and see how they stack up. How much? How much rewatch value do they have? Uh, the Fugitive. Great movie, but hasn't really been watched all that much. The Name of the Father, nah. You would, great movie. Watched you would not one think time. of it one time if I hadn't mentioned it. Nope, well, haven't thought of it one time. since I watched it. The Remains of the Day, never watched it. Never will watch it. Great okay. movie, but but not easy to watch. I've watched that maybe twice. And then Schindler's List, and you're not allowed to make fun of Schindler's List because it's about the Holocaust. Well, but not only that, it's a fucking brilliant movie. It is really well done. It's just, that's the point I was just making. Right. And not for not for nothing. That's a gorgeous movie, and that's really hard subject matter. And this is made-up bullshit. Nonetheless, Bill Murray's job was not easier, no. necessarily. I mean, okay, it was probably easier. <laughs> probably easier well, than no, Liam Neeson's. No, I, the, I don't think so. I think, I I think, mean, I think having, maybe- having the consistent timing throughout the shoot... Being able to work with a director, work with your cast around you, having to do multiple retakes, having to do just the little facial expressions to get it just right. Because if you guys go back and watch this, watch his facial expressions, how much he carries in his facial expressions and sells each scene in each line. That stuff's not by accident. No, no, not at all. And I'm not saying it's any easier to do his job. I'm just saying when Bill Murray went back to the hotel at the end of the shooting day, he probably didn't have a really heavy weight on him to have dinner because he yeah. was talking about a groundhog. He's not talking about seven he, he million He also wasn't Jews. visualizing the death of millions of Jews. Exactly. That's, so I understand I why it's harder, but, uh, but, for, but you're right. For the actual work that each one of those actors did, they are working and fully dedicated to their job, and comedy often gets overlooked. And this is Oscar season, so it's worth mentioning. Do you know where comedy gets its payback? Nope. Rewatch value. Like, here we are, two decades later, talking about this movie, and people aren't really talking about those other movies so much. And this movie will be on tomorrow, and people will watch it, millions of people still watch it. So I think there's a little poetic justice in that. A lot of the the movies that get overlooked wind up becoming firmaments of our culture, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. I do want to take a moment and say another thing about this movie is this movie was directed by Harold Ramis. Oh, Harold Ramis. He was such brilliant. a talent. Stripes. Just a brilliant, lovely... Right. So I was about to say, he was such a talent on his own mm-hmm. and so graceful and and genuine and giving as a director. He wanted his movies to last. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. But also he had this magic relationship with Bill Murray. He did. He tried so hard and did so much good for us with Bill Murray. It's sort of the same relationship that like um 
like John Hughes and Anthony Michael Hall might have had, or John Hughes and Molly Ringwald might have mm-hmm. had in a different in different genre. But this this we can do something very special, and so it's worth doing. Groundhog, Groundhog's Day, Stripes, and Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. We're just right there. I don't know if there were other ones. I'm sure there were. Well, those are the ones I'm but talking those are about the for sure. Right? Yeah. And, like that's, and they knew every they had one of those is a career. Thing. Each one yeah. of those is a career unto itself. And he they they knocked it out of the park. And he was so young. Harold Ramis died so young. He had an autoimmune disease, and he, and it was such a tragedy because he was so talented. Harold Ramis is always fun to watch on the screen because. He has one character. He's not yeah, a diverse exactly. actor. But every He's time exactly you just, the same you look guy at in him, this as he is in Ghostbusters. You look at him with that 10% of a <laughs> smirk, and you're like, that motherfucker's going to say something. He's going to say something. It's, I don't, I'm not going to want to laugh, but I'm going to laugh, and it's going to be at my expense. I Fuck agree. you, Harold Ramis. I agree with And you, you can just see it, and you, he's just delightful to watch. So here we go. What I like about day three, we move into the movie, and now as Bill Murray's starting to, re- his character Phil's starting to repeat things, all the secondary characters that sometimes he talked to in day two and he doesn't talk to in day three, they walk the exact same beat, mm-hmm. they walk through. So you watch, you see all these characters filling in the same spots and it's really a nice detail, a lot of detail. Now, have done. you done this watching the movie? I actually wrote this as a note. I've watched this movie so many times I can't count. I do scour the scenes that are the same to see if they're truly, literally the same film. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely believe day one and day two are exactly the same film, just mm-hmm. recut and and with the avid and added back in. Day three, I'm not so sure. And then it gets wonky because he might it's have crazy. been there for 17 years. I don't know. Like you yeah, might have been there forever. We, we'd, it'd be fun. It'd be in a whole other podcast fun to try and estimate how long does it take to learn to play classical piano? And uh, Oh, I like that because I thought what you were going to say right there was how many days was he really in Paxitani? Because there's so much that he knows later in the movie that we never saw. Right. People, not even background characters we ever well, saw. So we, we have go, no idea. How long does it take to learn a foreign language Foreign language That's fluently? That's a great idea. How long does it take to learn piano to that level? Just look at some random Googling of how long it takes people to get to a certain level, a certain mm-hmm. skill, and we can figure out how long he's been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, 28 minutes in, we get to see Harold Ramis, who mm-hmm. is always in his movies in one role or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a neurologist who who confirms that there's nothing wrong with Bill Murray's brain. Yes, and he's got that sm- little tiny smirk on his face the whole goddamn time. <laughs> you don't like him. No, you don't I like lo- the character. I, lo- I love him. He's the kind of guy, he's so dorky and so nerdy, but like if you went to a party and started talking to him, you you know like this guy's going to make fun of me at some point and it's going to be fantastic. And you just know it. It's a tragedy. You can see the, tra- you can see the wheels working in that smirk. It's just a up. tragedy he's gone. 32 minutes in, uh, the fun times start. Phil's starting to get the hang of it. Now, there's many ups and downs for Phil. Phil starts out in shock. Then he goes into like, I got this game. Then he goes, bug fuck nuts. Then he's got the game. Then he goes in the depths of depression. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's kind of all over the place. Uh, but three, 32 minutes in, he's in day three. He starts riding the car on the railroad tracks, having a chase, chase scene with the cops. He doesn't give a shit. He's right, pretty because sure if there's happen. no tomorrow, he's testing the theory up there. If he wakes up in jail the next day, he's fine with that. Because you, it's, it's yeah, better than repeating yeah, the same exactly. day. Day four, the ma- 34 minutes in, the madness is starting to take over. He's starting to realize he's a god. He can do just about anything. Now the days start moving pretty quick. 38 minutes in, day five, he gets to bang the random hot chick. Not a random hot chick, Nancy Taylor. What are you talking about? We went to school with Nancy Taylor. Had we didn't really class. go to Nancy Taylor, no, but, but, or high school with Nancy Taylor, but she is actually in the entire she's movie. She's repeatedly in the movie. But we never see her until he sees her. This is what I love about I this see. movie. So I see. if you go back and watch it again, she's always in the crowd. She's always just the always same in the cuteness, same spot. always yep. in the same spot, all that stuff. But 
our perspective changes, the viewer, as Phil's perspective changes. And then, of course, as Phil's mind changes later in the movie, uh, and he doesn't know where he's headed and what he's doing, we lose some of his perspective. And I think that's just how it is. It's it's a lovely, weird, tiny um, kismet for that, where, like, we only notice Nancy once he notices Nancy. And then also, as he, he bags the random hot chick Nancy, this is when he first starts to realize this is all about Rita. When he, in mm-hmm. the middle, in the middle of pre-coitus, he calls out Rita's name instead of Nancy's. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, okay, the plot is thickening here. 41 minutes in, we're to day six. Uh, he's starting to track every little detail of the day. And at first I was like, I was watching this again. I'm like, oh, okay. So he's had a few days in. He's appreciating the wind blowing. He's appreciating the sound of a dog barking, savoring the little moments of the world. That's when he robs the car. Yeah. He's, the, he's going the, to a uh, armored truck. Yes, he's measuring the steps, and then he measure, He counts his actual steps in the robbery. And at this point, I'm going to go ahead again and tease my list of movies at the end of this. Uh-oh. Because that is what happens in The Day After Tomorrow, and Day After Tomorrow ripped it off. Not just ripped off the concept, ripped off the actual counting of the steps and counting of the time. And it's shameful. It's shameful. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get, I will, or it's an homage. <laughs> I know that's a it's stretch. It's an homage. We could see him in Rolls Royce, dressed up like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> but another then, random hot chick shows up in a French maid outfit. It's crazy. Yeah, but he's also dressed like Clint Eastwood. So then there is minute forty-six. Okay, what happens? He goes to the van. He goes under the hood in the van. Yes, uh, and he pulls out some kind of mahuzi. That's the distributor cap. I thought it was the uh, catalytic converter. No, it's it's the distributor cap. Well, I know this because I've watched movies where they pull off the distributor cap. <laughs> Okay, fair. I don't know anything about cars, but I know a distributor cap when I see one. So it's interesting because first he realizes, oh, it's all about Rita. But the reality is he's edging closer all this time. He wakes up every day in the same moment trying to learn a little bit more about himself and see where he ends up. But he doesn't know this at this point because he feels like if he can solve Rita, he can get home. This is the thing. I don't know that this is something he actually considers. We never realized that in this movie. At some point, does he realize that Rita is his way out of this time warp? Or is he just repeating the same day over and over again and obsesses on a puzzle to solve to keep him from going absolutely stark raving insane? Yeah, and I actually think the way he survives is that second part. And the reality is Rita's not his way out. He's his way out. Mm. He needs to get to his essential self. He needs to get rid of the outer layer that's sarcastic and the outer layer that always has the right answer and the outer layer that's ambitious and whatever. He has to get to, I just have to be graceful and good and hope for the best. At 47 minutes in, I'm pretty sure we've completely lost track of the days at this point because we don't know how many days he had to case that that armored car. At this point, I would have to say, Phil is a very stable genius weatherman. To keep going through the same day over and over again and not, not, he isn't showing any signs of cracking up. And then we get to the point where he's drinking the sweet vermouth. He's learned to eat his drink and he's drinking the drink and it's a horrible drink. It's a horrible drink. It's a horrible drink. And I- oh my gosh. Scott, do you remember we went to New York for a meeting for work and I took you, and I grew up in New York, if anybody doesn't know that, and I took you to Rudy's. Do you yes. remember that? We go into Rudy's. And I order a drink. And I've been to Rudy's 10,000 times. You've never Rudy's, been there. The seats are covered in duct tape, red duct tape. 
Yep. And it's, it's, a, it's a dive. It's a super dive. There's only cash. There's popcorn for free because they have to serve some food to, to serve the booze. And then there's a giant seven-foot pig out in front oh, yes. whose name is Rudy. Mm-hmm. And we go in. And when I was in college, I went there a lot. And uh, I order a drink, a very specific drink called a Rusty Nail. Mm-hmm. And I do that because the person who owns who owned that bar when I was in college... That was his drink, and it happens to be my stepdad's drink, too. So it was like, yeah, if I go to Rudy's, I have to start with a rusty nail. And you were like, okay. Let's do it. Rusty nail. Rusty, I've, like heard, I've heard rusty nails are a manly drink. I'll drink that shit. Let's do it. <laughs> How'd that go? It was horrible. <laughs> and it was it's a terrible drink. And I, in my head, I thought, fuck, dude. I'm a grown-ass man. I've had rusty nails before. I've had a lot of cocktails. <laughs> I've had whiskey, and I've had bourbon. I've had all this shit serve up that drink man and then it shows up and i take one sip of like this is this is this is like having an, an alien butt sore in my mouth this is terrible <laughs> and you look but i didn't change i was like i was not going to show the weakness Although, i would not show the weakness to be fair you literally look at me like are you fucking with me and i am not fucking with you rusty nails horrible and then you're like cool i'm fine I'm fine. Well, this I finish is gonna it. be fine. It's right. A, like, it's but, a manly drink. I'm a manly man. I'm gonna finish a goddamn drink. And then we order the next round and you're like, Do you want another? I'm like, fuck no. I'm like, you gotta pour a little on the curb for your homies. You gotta order Patrick's favorite drink and my dad's favorite drink, but only one, because it's a terrible drink. If anybody is interested, it is Drambui and Scotch. Yeah. It is terrible. I highly advise you guys serve one of those up. And then go watch this movie yeah. as well. 50 minutes in, we're starting to watch. This is some of the brilliance of the movie. Mm. And you don't see it until you watch it a couple of times, I guess. He's sort of in love with Andy McDowell. And he's sort of running the most mad game Absolutely, in the world. He's yeah. memorizing everything about her. He learns 19th century French poetry. All of this stuff is going on. And as the movie progresses, we find out this is not his way out. He gets to his way out later. But here's an issue I had. As we're watching him have the same date over and over again, mm-hmm. and he screws something up, and then he'll do it again. He learns the 19th century French poetry after he makes fun of that for being her major in college, and they change the camera angle on her. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, he should have been exactly the same camera angle. Yeah, so you and I, this is interesting, because you, you actually uh, couldn't help but sort of say, what? Yeah. Like, out loud when we were watching. And for me, I think it's an interesting thing because I think that we all do this, but certainly I think Phil is doing this. He is always in control of his situation, right? When before Groundhog's Day happens, he's like, yeah, he's like, okay, whatever. I got this. Let's go. I got everything. And then this weird thing happens to him. And at this point, he has literally given up the ghost. He's like, yeah. I'm never getting it. This is existential hell. I'm never getting out of this. I'm doing this day for eternity. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, It's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. 
Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. And at that point, when he surrenders his self, things change, and the camera angles change, and the... uh, and the little bit of background changes. And mm-hmm. I, I know this is highfalutin for Groundhog's Day. I get it. But it's still true. It changes because we are changing our perspective as Phil changes his. That's mm-hmm. what I think is happening. And that is still a change. And that's going to move as we go forward. We're now so in though, a different... Even though we're in the same scene with the same dialogue, we're looking at a slightly different camera angle. And because that's Because both of, of these the people are changing. now different. <sighs> 56 minutes, he's, uh, he's starting to weird out. He's really trying to get Annie McDowell in bed. He's trying, really? to, he's trying to get Reed in the sack. And he got so close. He got so close the first time. So close. Well, actually, it's the 7,000th time. Right. And then everything falls apart. He can't get the details right after that. He's trying to keep track of so many details. He starts to lose things. And mm-hmm. I think this is where the madness starts to set in. 57 minutes in, For sure. he's starting to lose his shit. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite lines, he's losing his shit during the... 7,000th newscast he's done. He's talking about the groundhogs. Like, they used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. Yeah, that's not what you want to hear when you're covering Puxatawney Phil. He gets to kidnap Phil himself and we get a classic guitar solo car chase. And I will tell you, uh, right before that happens, and and there's a, a, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody's just, oh, Phil, you did so good. Talking about the groundhog, putting him in the back of the truck. Very cute groundhog, by the way. Very cute. At one, I wrote a note at one hour that mm-hmm. says this, one hour, colon, existential hell. Okay. <laughs> That's it. And then he tries to break out of it. Mm-hmm. Kidnaps kidnaps the groundhog. Kidnaps, mm. it's Phil and Phil. Phil buddy cop, kidnaps Phil. Buddy cop rolling around in their old, uh, their old truck. Drives off the cliff. Sitting in the same seat. Wakes up, the, don't drive angry. Wakes up the next day and then let the suicides begin. Toaster, truck, jumping, fire, stabbed, shot. There's all kinds of things going on. Uh, he survives all of these or re- goes back in time. Yeah, he regenerates. He's the doctor. And then we go back to, uh, we're one minute, one hour, six minutes in, get the classic scene, I'm a god. I'm not the god, I'm a god. And then, as he's talking to Annie McDowell, the flute music begins. And as we all know, when the flute music begins, that's the first signs of real love. Real mm. love is flute music. I, I don't disagree. Flute or pan flute? Pan, pan flutes. I don't, Still flute. I, I don't think so. I think they're different. I think they're different. One is made of metal. One is I made of like reeds. I feel like Zamfir. Zamfir never loved anybody. He was a cheating bastard. He broke my heart. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I sort of thought he loved Fuck us Zamfir. all. Fuck Zamfir. 
I sort of thought he that's loved what everyone. he thinks too. That's why he broke my heart. He's all fooling around all the time. Uh, and Zanford that, ain't no thing. <laughs> <laughs> we can see Phil falling in love, and then at one one hour fourteen minutes, shit starts to get real sappy because we get a flute and a clarinet. Oh, but okay, but together. just a little bit before that. Yeah. Uh, now Andy McDowell is she like things are happening where she cannot deny what's happening and she can't understand she can't what's deny happening. that charisma and so that's the moment that's the red herring moment where we thought rita is his is his way out that's the moment it was like ah it's all gonna be fine tomorrow and then it's we, not fine tomorrow then we go through the we race through the rest of the movie as he becomes a great person starts to save people's lives and he's not he's doing things for others not doing things for himself and spending time with Rita because he's enamored with her, not because he wants to get her in the sack. He gets the full sappy character arc all the way through the resolution. And then we know love has really arrived. You know how we know? Mm-mm. Full orchestra. One hour, 34 minutes. We've gone from flute <sighs> to flute and clarinet to full orchestra. And it's over. It's over for these two. But at that moment, what happens to Phil? Phil has learned to live for someone beside himself because he's so infatuated with this person because who she is, not what she can do for him. That might be true, but the script and Phil himself tell us Phil is happy. Phil is happy. Phil is happy. Yeah. And he says it. He says it himself. And that might be the first time that we see him think about that he's allowed to be happy. And that's what gets him out. He has that one night. No matter what happens tomorrow or what happened yesterday, I'm happy right now. And it's great. And it's sappy. And I watch him like, this is some sappy bullshit. Also, I have crazy happy TV face as I'm watching the sappy <laughs> bullshit. So, <laughs> and I, watched, I happened to look over you while you're watching it. And you had like you had both hands on your cheeks and oh, you're smiling. On. Yeah, you did. Both hands on your cheeks. You, you had both hands on your cheeks and you're doing that classic. Like, oh, oh. And you Are were, you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Right at the end, you were so completely delighted with that movie. Because what is better than what unlocks his existential hell, but truly being happy? Just not, he doesn't have to be happy forever. He just has to achieve happy. I'd have taken the Clint Eastwood off in the Rolls Royce, but hey, that's good for him. But if that was the moment where you were like, oh, I'm happy. That was it. That was it. That was the only ask. It was this tiny moment where he was genuinely happy. Yeah. Let's take a moment. Now we're done with this movie. Let's take a moment and really analyze. Let's break down the plot from a science perspective. (laughs) From a science perspective. Okay. I'm going to bag on Day After Tomorrow. I think that's what the motherfucker was called, right? That Tom Cruise flick? Edge of Tomorrow. I'm going to bag on Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Day After Tomorrow, I think, is an apocalyptic film. That's probably a James Bond film. I don't know. The Day After is an apocalyptic (laughs) film. But The Edge of Tomorrow is a ripoff of Groundhog's Day. However, they go through and construct a pseudoscientific bullshit reason that people are looping through time. But they give you reasons, right? They give you a rule set. Groundhog's Day, no nothing. What the fuck is going on? What did he do to enter this existential hell? What did he do to deserve this? And then we watch him go through this whole process. How is he time looping? What's happening? What gets him out of it? This is a crock of shit. They don't explain anything. And what if it happens to you tomorrow? Do you really think you're going to be able... How do you know this day hasn't happened to me already? That's what I'm saying. So what I think is... I, I understand your perspective as a viewer. You have paid for this. You want meat 
tied up with Only the bow. Only on the 20th view. Now I'm starting to be like, I'd like a little more explanation, please. Thank you very much. But it is entirely possible. This is uh, February 1st. We're going to go through tomorrow. And then February 3rd is supposed to be Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. And we're going to watch the film with a handful, or the game with a handful of friends and whatever. But what happens if you wake up again and it's Groundhog's Day? You don't get to be like, computer, computer. Computer. Oh, because we're, we're completely stuck from his perspective. Yeah, he, he cannot ask for those reasons, right? So that's the point I was making so about like, the change in perspective of the cameras. We uh, are uh, Phil until we are not Phil, until Phil is not Phil. It's like The Walking Dead, but without the zombies. Don't know, because never... I didn't watch The Walking Dead, but there you go. <laughs> sure, whatever. I'm just saying, there are a whole bunch of movies. I you know, have mentioned- A whole bunch of movies. Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. But there's a bunch. I have a list. <laughs> of course, I, is, I are have, these things I did not know were no, no, like no, no, Groundhog's Day? I've, I've been fully upfront that I'm going to talk about the list of movies uh, that are Groundhog's Day. Barely get into the list of TV episodes that have ripped off Groundhog's Day. We'll talk about a couple. Oh, yeah. I haven't even thought There's about that. There's a huge, huge list. Let's start with 1201. That's time. 1201 from 1993. Same year Groundhog's Day came out. The short story in which 1201 is actually based on predates Groundhog Day by nearly 20 years. And I got into a, I got into a Twitter tiff about this a little while ago. And someone was like, oh, great. They're ripping off Groundhog's Day for a Russian doll. Another, another Groundhog's Day ripoff. And somebody, I can't remember who it was, something like, yeah, there's been a bunch of movies like this. And then it turns out a movie exactly like Groundhog's Day came out the same year Groundhog's Day came out. But apparently and it's not quite as good because nobody even knows about it. Except... But you're putting this on the list of movies that ripped off Groundhog Day. And it sounds like this Ground is not. Groundhog's Day movies. This isn't a ripoff. So I'm putting everything uh, on the okay, list. Okay, okay, okay. But it's about a man who gets caught reliving the worst day of his life when his wife is shot and killed. After receiving an electrical shock at midnight, which is 12 on 1, he relives the previous day and finds out that things get worse. So he keeps reliving the same I, day. At this point, I understand why Groundhog's Day is the crowd favorite. So far, so good. 1998, Run, Lola, Run. Oh, Tom Twyker's action classic takes time-looping premise and turns it into a kinetic real-time thrill ride. The title character, Lola, goes on a 20-minute dash as repeated several times, with each time depicting slight changes in the story that invoke ideas about parallel realities and moral choice. But I, I'm arguing with you about this. Hit me. Because did you watch Lola? Run, no, Lola? I have not okay, watched so most I've of these watched, movies. I've watched Run, Lola, one, Run many times. Okay. And I agree with you that she repeats the same 20 minutes. She is not getting better. She is not growing from that. It is absolutely not Groundhog's Interesting. Day. 100%. Other than... Repeating she, the same time The same time period. frame. All right. 50 First Dates, 2004. Leave it to Adam Sandler to make another rom-com aping Groundhog's Day premise. In this one, I love how everybody loves to rip on Adam Sandler. This is the giant list. A lot of people do this. In this one, Drew Barrymore only thinks she's living the same day over and over again because she has an affliction which she can't remember the previous day, but it doesn't stop Sandler from trying to win her over. Short-term memory loss is a real thing, but not Barrymore's specific affliction. And this was actually, I've also seen this. Have you seen this? No. Because I'd seen Groundhog's Day, so I was it like, I'm good. not a good movie. Bad movie? It is not a great movie. It is a great premise. Okay. And I would say it ripped off Groundhog's Day if it was anywhere near approaching as lovely as Groundhog's Day. So basically Day. take the dating Rita and just loop that. Yeah, like literally all this so far, like this one, the only thing it has in 
common with Groundhog's Day is that he's trying to get the girl. I would like there to are zillions of movies where he's trying to get the girl. And that was Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. As we go through this list, these are not B movies with low, ta- you know, like unknown actors. We're going to sure. get in some some big timers here. One movie I actually really like because I have a soft spot for people who find a way to make a feature on no money at all. Sure. And that's 2004's Primer. One of the more creative indie time travel stories you're likely to see. Shane Carruth's lo-fi thriller is a densely plotted science fiction story about two entrepreneurial inventors who accidentally invent a device that allows them to travel back in time for a few hours at a time. Carruth keeps us in the dark as to what they're actually invented until well into the film, and it maintains its tension as it evolves into a character study of these two men trying to double-cross the other. It's Mm -hmm. a great flick. Mm -hmm. They shot this for... Like four figures, I mean, and literally in I think one storage unit that they showed there was, some, there was the guy's kitchen. It is oh sure sure their own home. Unit. Yeah, and then they, I think all they had to rent was a storage unit. Is, I think I think it was brilliant. like their home, their office, the storage unit. So more power to them, and that's along the Blair Witch concept. Like yeah. we don't have we don't have the money to do this correctly, and we're going to be like Blair Witch is one of the things we're going to see the cameras and the shots, we're going to see the sound equipment. So let's write that into the movie so when people see it, it doesn't take them out of the movie. Primer was like that. Write that stuff in. This might be my favorite list that we've ever done. And I know the other lists are things I did not know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is so interesting because I I get why Primer's on this list and is like Groundhog's Day. It's a little like Groundhog's Day. At the same time, it is at... It's It's only a little like Groundhog's Day. If I said to you, have you seen Primer? You say, yes, love Primer. You would say, I would say... Would you recommend another film? You would never recommend this one. You would recommend a bunch of other things. I'm going to boot this off the list, and I'll tell you why. Because Primer's, it's a time travel movie. Yeah. It's not Groundhog's Day. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's interesting because, but you get why it's here. You get how it landed Because they keep looping. And also, (laughs) whoever wrote this list or whatever wants you to watch this great movie. Like, you want to recommend movies. If you liked Groundhog's Day, you might like this. You might like this. Yeah. And we get into, now we get into some more clones. 2011, Source Code. Jake Gyllenhaal wakes up on someone else's body eight minutes before a terrorist attack blows up the train he's riding on. It's his job to use that time to find the terrorists and stop the attack. The movie's first eight minutes are its best when he realizes he's living someone else's final moments. Director Duncan Jones uses the sci-fi setup as a parable for the frustration of being used as a tool and the nature of free will within each alternate reality. Did you see it? No. Me neither. Would you see it based on that? Mm. No, okay, let me rephrase. Would you see it based on that if we were not talking about Groundhog's Day? (laughs) Let's extend this parable. How drunk am I? I mean, not... In this hypothetical reality, Okay, maybe you're, you're... Two more drinks in than where you are in a right now. Two more drinks in. Uh, okay. And do I have a life or not? I mean, like, do you have other things to do? Do I have any other things to do? Always. You always, then always. I probably will not watch Source Okay, Code. cool. Because for me, like... Although I do like Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. And like the movie announcer voice really sold it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so I see. Even like, oh, this is a very compelling movie. The Then we get into, I missed the year on this one, uh, 12 Dates of Christmas, a play on the 12 Days oh Lord. of Christmas. I'm already out. Super clever. Probably the most low-key movie on the list. 12 Dates of Christmas refers to the timeline for a Kate, a young, ambitious woman who perseveres to maintain healthy relationships in her life. To do so, she is given ample opportunities, but ends up messing up her existence, existing relationship and potential interests. 
Dum, dum, dum. Uh, so I could not be drunk enough, even with your movie <laughs> boys, to watch that movie. Just That's so you're clear. Sweet. So now we've got a measurement system. <laughs> How drunk am I? Will I watch that movie? Yeah. 2013, About Time. It's the name of the movie. At age of 21, Tim discovers he can travel in time and change whatever happens and has happened in his own life. His decision to make his world a better place by getting a girlfriend turns out not to be as easy as you might think, which starred Dominic Gleason and Rachel McAdams. This is so tiny, fibrous, like wispy gossamer tethers to fucking Groundhog's Day. Okay, I, I admit but there, but the looping and changing what you—that's all it is—is is that you're looping and you're trying to get the girl. It's interesting you brought up that these are tiny gossamer threads. Now let's get to steel cables linking something together, or perhaps twins separated at birth who are identical. Edge of Tomorrow, aka Live Die Repeat, 2014. This is one of Tom Cruise's most underrated roles. We watch him die in an endless loop as he tries to learn how to win a war against aliens, with each of his lives playing out like a video game in which he gains experience and gets closer to winning. But its charm comes from a sardonic sense of humor and Cruise's relationship with a hard-nosed soldier played by Emily Blunt. In the end, she ends up killing him in a training more, than, more times than the aliens do. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, well... Sorry about that. But no, we said spoiler at the top. The of the hour. Edge of yeah. Tomorrow is literally it's Groundhog's Day with guns. It's exactly he just keeps he, he, counting his steps, listening, knowing well, what's you going said, to happen. You said when we were watching, literally, there's a moment where he is. He, it's, yep. it's a and that is a ripoff or an homage. Uh you know, I, I I'm more in the ripoff camp. I'm hmm. like the, the, I don't know because I'll never see it. The ones on this so. list. Like you say, they're tangentially related to Groundhog's Day. Edge of Tomorrow fucking is Groundhog's it, Day. It's really hard to miss. But you know what? Uh, there, it, it, if there is that literal same scene, it kind of calls into question that they might know this. They might know that they are well, following this pattern, but they're doing it with... Because if, if whatever ethereal weird thing it needs a tip of the hat maybe but here's the thing we have no idea why bill murray's doing this we have no idea why it happened on groundhog we have no idea right Right. so what happens if this whole edge of tomorrow thing is happening on february 2nd like what happens if it's like the leftovers that shitty shitty show the leftovers where it's like every day today is this one day and all this happens and so really Bill Murray is doing it in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, and uh, Edge of Tomorrow is do- Tom Cruise is doing it where he is, but it's the same day, and it's this weird time warp thing. I see. If it, now, you guys can't see on the podcast, but I'm totally selling this by making very suggestive eyebrows. Like, please go with this. Just go with this. I'm saying, You're if I will back. watch Edge of Tomorrow again, and somewhere in the carnage of the battle scenes, there could be a groundhog. <laughs> never happen there could be a groundhog we'll get to another movie that owns its shit like yeah you know what uh groundhog's day made a shit ton of money we're gonna make a shit ton of money by ripping it off and we'll give credit we'll give homage to groundhog's day what's that one i'll get to it edge of tomorrow did not do that at all yeah i'll shameless. never watch it but shameless, i agree shameless, shameless, yeah. shameless, shameless, shameless. i agree with you that we don't need to revisit here's what that. i've never watched but i just read about just now i never even heard about it 2016 aq the letters ARQ. The oil supply is run dry and corporations fight against nations for the world's remaining energy supplies. Trapped in a house and surrounded by a gang of mysterious masked intruders, an engineer must protect a technology that could deliver unlimited energy and end the wars that have consumed the world. The only problem is 
that the technology has created a time loop that condemns him and his friends to relive the same day over and over. So it's masked intruders. Yep. Versus an engineer. I almost read as naked intruders. Oh, well, yeah. Mysterious naked intruders. That's a different. That's a different kind of movie. (laughs) Yes, and that is nothing like Groundhog's Day, which was quite wholesome. Yes, it's Sex Hog's Day. It's completely different. (laughs) I don't want to see that movie. And now we get into a a a reason. This is still going on, and now there's been a run of them, a run of them recently. 2017, naked. It's Groundhog's Day with no clothes. That's the tagline for the movie. Oh, Phil Connors at least didn't have to relive the same humiliation Mar- uh, Marlon Wayans did, where he wakes up naked. Oh, but hours that's a spoof. His, he wakes up naked hours before his wedding day and has to repeat things over and over until he gets things right. The film is actually a remake of a Swedish film from 2000, which must be a ripoff of Groundhog's Day, but they did in Sweden. <laughs> okay. 2017 again. 2017, a bad year. Before I fall. What if Groundhog's Day? was about a mean girl. Zoe Douche stars as San Francisco teen with perfect high school life until she's killed in a car accident. When she repeats the same day of her death, she starts to reassess her relationships and unravel the mystery around her accident. Oh. So now we get to a movie we both actually enjoyed, Happy Death Day. Oh my God, I love this. I thought that's you were about to say that. I thought you were about to say when you were talking about whatever that other one was. Mm-hmm. Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day 2017. Sequels coming out. Happy Death Day to you. To uh, you. Clever. Uh, clever. It is a horror movie about a woman played by Jessica Roth, who is really great. She's great. She's got whatever that charisma thing is. She's uh, got yeah. it in spades. She was yeah. super fun to watch. And she's, has, yeah. She was great. She has to relive a murder at the hands of a killer in a baby mask until she can outsmart him and survive. And following the success of that film, the sequel, Happy Death Day to you, winks at the premise by having Roth's character dying all over again, again. This time, all over again, again. This time, both her and her friends are caught in this vicious death loop. But that movie, at the end of that movie, talks about Groundhog's Day. I'm going to spoil it for everybody. At the end of that movie, she survives. She survives with the final boy, uh-huh. and they're sitting down at a diner having coffee or whatever. And she, the final boy, doesn't know he's in the loop, and she's explaining to him the loop at the end. And he kind of has to take her word for it. He's like, all right, love you. I believe you. He's like, it's so weird. It's almost like that movie Groundhog's Day. And she says, what movie? And he's like, and then <laughs> I he's, forgot he owns that. it. He's yeah. like, are you serious? You've never heard of Groundhog's Day? And she's like, no, I, I never heard of it at all. I forgot the what movie part. Yeah. I remember like that they, oh my, like they, they literally talk about Groundhog's Day. I totally forgot that. And it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant in a couple of ways because also she's, I guess the actress is 18 or 19, or she might be one of those 23-year-olds who look really young, but the character she plays is 18. It was a 17-year-old, yeah. Yeah, 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we find this a lot. The movies that we think are classics, like when I found out my nephews had never watched Aliens. I was like, what? <gasps> no, that's everybody has to watch it. It's very possible that a senior in college has never heard of Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Now we get to one. I did uh, like that, though. I, I, I would it. go for that. I'm having a little trouble with this one. A little trouble with this one. Russian Doll on Netflix. Created by Amy Poehler and Natasha Leone, who was uh, in Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Her char- uh, Nash- Natasha Leone plays character Nadia Volvikov is a video game programmer with a two-pack-a-day growl, a mop of red hair, and the, kinda, and the good kind of bad attitude, the come-sit-by-me kind. 
As Netflix's Russian Doll begins, it's her 36th birthday and her friends are throwing her big artsy bash in a sprawling East Village apartment. The alcohol, food, and sexual energy are flowing freely, and Nadia weaves through it all, hugging, waving, taking a hit of coke-laced marijuana, fretting about her missing bodega cat, leaving with a dirty-talking professor. Then Nadia gets hit by a car and dies, and wakes up, and has to keep doing the same thing. So it's like Groundhog Day. Oh, but it's not... Because she doesn't go to sleep and repeat the day she dies. Oh, but then it's not like it's not like Happy Death Day because she's not getting murdered because they're accidents. So therefore, it's an original concept. That's me being completely sarcastic. It's a blatant, blatant ripoff of not but one. But what's wrong loops. with that? Tell me I what's wrong problem, with that. I have a problem with being so blatant about the plot. Like, there's a lot of other ones on this list. Like, it's sort of in the ballpark of Groundhog's Day, but it's not, I mean, it's not real. Like, Primer's in the time travel camp. But this whole concept of, like, okay, you die, you wake up, you relive it till you figure out the puzzle. That's a very incredibly specific. This isn't like, it's two guys having a shootout. It's, but, it's but, people so waking up in a desert. Except it's my argument is exactly thing. the opposite of that. Okay. It is unlikely... If it is likely, if it is possible that one guy could wake up and repeat that day, if we're going to accept that premise, it is astronomically unlikely that it is one human being on Earth who can do that. These, aren't, these movies aren't in a continuum. This isn't in the same universe. But they're in my universe. It's not like Doctor Who. Yeah, you but they're my universe. all the fucking time. They're my universe. In my world, if I accept, if me, A, accepts that Bill Murray can wake up every day on February 2nd again, Mm -hmm. me, as a Kovacs, also uh, accepts that he is not unique in all the world. He is not truly a god. So therefore, it is likely that someone else could have also had the same affliction. So for me, not for them... You don't, don't, you don't mind it's the same plot. I guess I don't. I guess I don't mind if it's the same. What I would mind is if it were like Rachel McAdams right in Bill Murray's role in Puxatawney. Like it's if it's a remake, but there's like one quirk about it. You know? You're okay with a remake though. I'm okay. I am. I'm pretty easy. Like because like you said, how, 19 how year could olds. Someone, how could someone go wrong in this scenario for you? If it's a, I'm going to use, I'm going to use the inflammatory words. A blatant ripoff. Uh-huh. That's okay because we've established this. You as a fan, I don't mind the construct repeating. If it's a remake, that's okay because it's a remake and they're being open and honest about it. What scenario where it's someone who repeats the same day over and over again or dies and has to wake up to the figure out the problem? What kind of movie like this would actually bother you, if any? Uh, I think poorly acted, poorly constructed ones, right? So I loved Happy Death Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hated Fifty First Dates. Fifty First okay. Dates offended me, not as a ripoff of Groundhog's Day, but just because it was a poorly made movie. Like they are both better actors; they could have done better. They could have given us more. That's we're what talking I think. like Natalie Portman and Star Wars bad acting, or I mean, I, it's actually they, all it was the, all pretty thin on the ground, right? Like was it was bad. on Fifty First Dates is pretty thin on the ground. This the, the script is like it's pretty thin. They're doing the best they can. They just can't. They can't make it genuine. Okay. So for me, the idea that more than one person could relive a day to learn a lesson, because to be fair, we're bitching, 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 bitching about this. This is Groundhog's Day is a ripoff of Freaky Friday. Freaky yeah, Friday. Freaky came, Friday. They woke up in different bodies, right? Except they have to learn a lesson to get back to themselves, right? 
So that's the only way that well, they wake large, up the next that's day. That's a large cut. Con- I disagree. Do they, do they, in Freaky Friday, do they learn their lesson, then wake up their own bodies? Yes. Days later or the same day when they started? They go back to exactly where they were. When did Freaky started, Friday I think, come out? 60s-ish. Jesus, Freaky Friday. Hmm. So what I'm saying is exactly what William Shakespeare said, which might be a totally made-up internet thing, that there are new, there are no original ideas. There are just original retellings. There's just original stories, right? We both were born in the United States. Did I rip off you because I'm younger? Someone was the first person to write a story where you respond up repeating the same day until you got sure. things right. So that means Shakespeare was wrong. I, I mean, I think that's a tiny bit of a semantic argument because, yes, somebody came up with an original idea. When we created language, when we created storytelling, mm. when we created a human relationship, somebody did it first. That said, I do a thousand things in my day all the time. We read the same kind of stories again and again and again that don't feel similar, right? Like in a million different ways, we read... Hero's quests that look like Hero's quests, but they might be Iron Man, or they might be the Lord of the Rings, or they might be the Rookie, right? Like, mm-hmm. those are all Hero's quests. I don't think one is any any more similar, similar to the other than in that idea, right? So I am not, I am not, get, it's not a disservice to me for you to choose a Hero's Quest story to tell as long as I'm engaged in the story. I think they, I feel like, they're just going to go, but if they're going to be that closely specific to the original source material, just buy the rights and do a remake. Yeah, it's, or even like what you said about uh, what we were just talking you're, about, you're about abso- Happy Death Day. You're absolutely right. The Hero's Quest is a repeated trope over and over again, continues to be successful, continues to find new generations and new audiences. Harry Potter's been told a thousand times exactly, before. Exactly, yeah. And it works. But at some point, don't you think there's some incredible, when you narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down, now we get to the point where, and Harry Potter has been ripped off very successfully, okay, this is a school for magic and the outcast orphan kid doesn't come to the school for magic, but he's actually the chosen, she's the chosen one mm-hmm. and they're going to go through and fight the secrets of the, I mean, it, it gets so specific that it's the same as Harry Potter. At what point are you like, at what point do you be like, come on, this is, it's it's such a specific story. I, 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 a, I can certainly see what you're saying. Mechanism. It's yeah, not a story, I, I can, it's a story mechanism. Yeah, and I can certainly see what you're saying, but here's here's the only thing. I'm not gonna disagree with you because I see that for you, and that's your reality. Me, I can read Harry I, I can read Sandman Slim, which is very similar to uh, Harry Dresden in some ways, and wildly different in most ways. And I have no problem that they're both mostly human magical beings that interact through other worlds through the earth. And then I can add Kevin Hearn's Iron Druid series, which is a similar thing. If I'm saying this is very highly specific, these are men who are middle-aged who can, who can, they, they start on our plane in our world in a specific city and then they go through fantasy worlds and whatever, and then they come back. Let me ask you one question later to that, then we got to close this up. It's getting very long. Let's say... You read a new story, and it's about a guy who's a pit fighter in hell who escapes hell and goes to work in a video store. I'm totally going to think Sandman Slim. Because that's a specific story mechanism. Yes. Uh, The broader story of Supernatural, I'm with you. Broader story of guys fighting evil, I'm with you. But so you get down to that specific mechanism, that might set off alarm bells in your head. But you'd read that story and be okay with it. Maybe not, but my, but like I said, I'm not going to disagree with you that's here, the right? That's Slim plot line, by the yeah, way, guys. Yeah, by Richard Cadry. It's great. I'm not going to disagree with you here. I get the mechanism idea. My, uh, my uh, only last uh, argument, I guess, is this. 
a lot of people don't read for mechanism. Writers do, right? So you unfortunately can never look at an entertainment thing as entertainment. Like it's a little bit hard, right? Because I don't go in and say, oh, this is a guy who came back from the dead. Like I don't do that. But the question is to you, you would read that in a new book. And you'd be okay with that or you'd not be okay with it? I think it de- would depend. If I w- if I don't have any problem thinking, oh, this is Sandman Slim. This is a lot like Sandman Slim. If I get 400, you know, 100 pages in, 200 pages in, and it's mostly Sandman Slim, I might probably put it down. My niece, who's 30 years younger than I am, she might not. And she may not pick up a 60-year-old or 40-year-old book. She would pick up a new book. Mm-hmm. So for her, do I want her to have a story like Sandman Slim, even if it's not Sandman Slim, if it was done well? My answer is yes. I totally understand if your answer is no. Mm -hmm. So I get it. I get why you're sort of like upset by it. But for me... That's the question. It doesn't bother you. That's the answer. It might bother me, but it doesn't bother me that it exists. Like I might not finish reading it, but it doesn't bother me that it exists. Cool. And then we have one more. uh, It left this out as TV show 2006. Daybreak. Tay Diggs is a cop who has to live the same day over and over again. I've never seen that one. I didn't even hear about it until I was going through this list. But uh, so we, as we can see, there are some like, sort of like Groundhog Day, some that are more than an homage to Groundhog's Day, to put it nicely. Some that are poorly made. Groundhog's and, Day. Yeah. But uh, there's many Groundhog's Day. And on this Groundhog's Day, we hope you guys have a good Groundhog's Day. But wait, Day. wait, wait. We do have to just, because you teased it in the beginning, we have to talk about again. So I go to Netflix, call up Groundhog's Day. It's not there. I did go get Amazon Prime. But I type in Groundhog's Day. This movie comes up and it's called, again, it's 11 minutes long. And it says, a man has to watch Groundhog's Day over and over again and a woman brings him lunch. That's the, and I'm like, well, shit, it's 11 minutes. It's about Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Let's check this thing out. And it's horribly depressing. It's horribly depressing. It's nothing like Groundhog's Day. And I encourage everyone to watch it. It was awesome. I, I thought it was enormously lovely. Cool. Because we, we, we walked right into the most significant part of that timeline. And we got a crescendo and a climax and the denouement and after. we have not spoiled this one. We spoiled Groundhog's Day for you. Yeah, but I recommend that you guys watch it. It was beautiful, I thought. I found it, uh, I typed in all caps, turn it off, three exclamation points. Oh yeah, it was rough. So it, was, it, was, it, was it was depressing. Direct, you were right. Director Alexis Jacknow, and uh, it's called Again, and it is available for free on Netflix if you're a Netflix subscriber. Yeah. And now, uh, so this our Groundhog Day is, is run, a, run a ground, <laughs> run a grog. This is episode 45. Next week, you'll hear episode 44 as a reminder of Story Smack. You can find Scott and I online. Scott is at Scott Sigler on Twitter and Instagram, and his Facebook page is facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. I am at A Real Girl on Twitter and at a.real.girl on Instagram. You can find us both online at facebook.com slash Story Smack. And we would love to see your comments there. As always, we also release an unabridged episode of a serialized novel of Scott's every week. You can get episodes for free every Sunday via iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Just go to scottsigler.com slash subscribe for links. We hope that you do subscribe and you listen to Scott's books and more stories back in the future. And until the next episode, we will talk to you all real soon. And then talk to you real soon again. And again. <laughs> and again.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.